0: You're listening to Tech Tank, a bi-weekly podcast from the Brookings Institution, exploring the most consequential technology issues of our time. From racial bias and algorithms to the future of work, Tech Tank takes big ideas and makes them accessible. You're listening to Tech Tank, and I am Nicole Turner-Lee, your co-host for this episode. You know, the evolution of artificial intelligence has been nothing short of remarkable, characterized by rapid advancements in technology. Advanced AI models like ChatGPT have played a pivotal role in shaping this evolution, but while innovation offers a promising future, it also raises many concerns about its capabilities and its potential to disrupt established norms, practices, and even contribute to existing and persistent systemic inequalities. From the proliferation of deep fakes to their use in political advertising, AI is garnering, has garnered for years, significant attention from government officials to civil society advocates. And our guest today is no hidden figure in this space. She's a visionary in the realm of ensuring the responsible use of AI. She's not my congresswoman, but I'm a claimer because I'm from New York. Congresswoman Yvette Clark, who hails and represents central Brooklyn, has recently introduced this groundbreaking legislation, namely the Algorithmic Accountability Act of 2023 and the Deep Fakes Accountability Act. And we're going to talk about it because she's actually had these out there for quite some time. But they're there to shape the trajectory of AI development and counter the growing influence of deep fake technologies and other technologies that lend themselves to nefarious decision making and uh, images, AI generated images. Congresswoman, how are you? Thank you for joining us today. It's wonderful to be with you, Nicole, and thank you for having me. Oh, I'm excited about this conversation. Now, I'm, a, I'm just going to put out our business just for a moment. I have known this Congresswoman since I started in D.C. <laughs> so I am just delighted and honored to have you here because you already know that you are the people's Congresswoman when it comes to issues related to technology, equity, as well as multicultural equity um, in all aspects of our communication system. You know, and I, I want to focus this conversation, Congresswoman, if you don't mind, on your AI work. Right. Because this is an area Compared to how people have seen your leadership evolve, that you've really put a stake in the ground, right, when it comes to these issues. And here at Tech Tank, we take these very complicated issues like AI and we try to make them less complex for the everyday listener to sort of see how these things are evolving. So let's start there and sort of talk about how you're seeing the evolution of AI and the
1: growing opportunities
0: and concerns that should be top of mind right now.
1: Well, as you stated in your introduction, Nicole, I have been sort of laboring in the policy space around um, uh, all things tech for quite some time. From cybersecurity to data privacy um, and everything in between, um, I've just been building out a portfolio that is a reflection of concerns having to do with how new technologies impact black communities, communities of color, disadvantaged communities, and what we can do to level the playing field, knowing that everything we use in terms of technology is truly a tool that can be um you know, uh, revolutionary in the uh, advancement of our civil society. So, you know, AI is everyone's talking about it now because it's so apparent. But they're building blocks to AI, and I, I kind of think that it's important that we look at the the strength and integrity of those building blocks in order to really make sure that artificial intelligence and generative artificial intelligence is reflective of who we tra- tr- we truly are as a society and that it really uh has baked into it our sort of western democratic values uh for its use today and into the future so i start with algorithms um you know and and you know uh, i i've always uh been fascinated by how our sort of behavior online creates the opportunity to receive information, goods, and services, and how that building block is ultimately um, utilized uh, in the aggregate to determine sort of behavioral patterns um, for uh, communities across the board. And when uh, these algorithms are being created, who those creators are and whether, in fact, they have their thumbs on the scales or uh, a bias in terms of their view to uh, the lived experiences of black people, of women, of people of color, of LGBTQ uh, individuals will determine uh, how the how the cake is baked, if you will. And so uh, the Algorithmic Accountability Act was introduced um, so that we could weed out um, those biases, if you will, and create uh, a much more um, pure um, playing field, if you will, that will ultimately uh, go into the generative AI that will be uh, the assistant to the work that we have to do in advancing our society.
0: Well, and I like that way that you're framing it, right? Because you started introducing these bills in 2019. I mean, AI... I don't know how to explain it congresswoman right it's become trendy to some at the present but you have been a trailblazer in these technological advances you know years ago talk to us a little bit about how you've updated your algorithmic accountability act as well as the deepfakes act you know since you first introduced it like how quickly the technology has changed right
1: exactly. over the course of a couple of years exactly you know i i one of the things that um I spoke about was the algorithm, but one of the things that has outpaced algorithms, quite frankly, or you know, is is this at the heart of the substance of it, is is our data, our use of the technology dictates uh, how uh, information is compiled, how that compilation uh, creates an algorithm, how that algorithm, in the aggregate, again creates um, the artificial intelligence. And so um, we never got a handle on our data. And that data um, has been sort of the wild west of sort of the internet, if you will. From every dark web to, you know, the simplest of um, tasks or applications our data is what ultimately drives it. The permissions we give to access our photos and information, all of that creates a profile. That profile gets reinforced every time we do a search, we use an app, all of, you know, our lives essentially online. Now, yeah. Think about everyone in your household that's doing that. Everyone on your block that's doing that. Everyone that's on your bu- in your building doing that. And imagine that that community is 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 somewhat monolithic, and you people have similar demographics. And then imagine that those demographics are aggregated, are are put a compiled, um, and those behaviors are synthesized by uh, you know the technology, uh, computers uh servers, different parts of the hardware that we've programmed to synthesize our information that then creates a mega profile that mega profile is then utilized by companies corporations governments to predict what our behaviors will be under certain circumstances, what products, goods, and services will we would really want, uh, based on past uh, behaviors or group behaviors, uh, this is all uh, what uh, this is what our virtual lives has been built upon, and so it's important that that information is accurate for a number of reasons. One, it can be used for great things to enhance our lives, uh, to uh, take our entrepreneurial talents to the next level, uh, for for some some fabulous things. But it can also be used to profile you uh, for negative reasons, uh, to determine your credit rating, to determine uh, what uh, your uh, your Eligible for in terms of uh, housing, and who uh, gets to offer you a mortgage versus who doesn't. Um, it, it, it can determine so many things in our life, sentencing of individuals um, who may be going before you know the, uh, the a judge or a court, um, and their profile indicates one thing, uh, but it's not accurate, and they become they get sentenced based on an inaccuracy in an algorithm that ultimately went into, you know, the, the, the artificial, degenerative AI uh, scanning of, of that individual's life. There, there are just so many ways or individuals similar to that particular in, individual. I mean, there's so many ways that this can go wrong, particularly because, you know, it, as, as I say, it's garbage in, and garbage out. If the person who is putting uh, programming the uh, AI uh, or the uh, or gathering the data for AI through programming of algorithms, um, if that is something that becomes sort of predominant, and that individual is flawed, then what we're going to get is flawed information.
0: That's right. That's right. And that's because a lot of these folks, they come to the table, right? With their values, norms, and assumptions. I like the way you talked about, you know, over time, the aggregate begins to represent the monolith and the community of which you're from. (laughs) You sort of disappear into this homogenous profile, which then to your point... I love the way you put it, it contributes to the type of data surveillance that can lead to the type of physical surveillance that many communities are trying to break free from, which is why which is I find interesting in the new version of your act. I think what you also are telling people, it's not just about identifying the challenges associated with these determinations, but giving agencies like the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, the staffing and the resources to get the job done, Right. That's different, right, uh, for what you've spoken about in the past, Congresswoman. When it comes to the role of agencies in requiring impact assessments and other augmented processes around critical decision making, can you talk a little bit about why that's going to be important too? To ha- sort of have the cadre of
1: professionals that can tackle this. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I think that we've struggled with is the fact that you know what we're working with has been somewhat organic in its growth, in its development, Um, if the mind could conceive it, you know, the tech world could could achieve it. And our sort of real-world governmental infrastructure did not keep pace. And one of the things that I've been saying to, you know, my constituents, folks here on the Hill, is that this is a brand new discipline that we uh, weren't able to get our arms around quickly. Uh, You know, everyone talked about computer programming and, you know, all of those types of uh, sort of ways of describing the growth of the tech sector. But we have a truly new discipline and we need uh, the expertise. We need the talent uh, to be able to uh, manage and monitor it in a way in which we're protecting the American people. Because we know uh, that, uh, you know, our uh, sort of legislative body have been sort of uh, behind the curve on this. We need to make sure that our agencies are brought up to speed and are given the resources they need to hire up, to create robust, um, you know, uh, infrastructure within these agencies to really protect the American people. Uh, again, as a as a sort of a, a new discipline, it's like when they, uh, after 9-11, established the Department of Homeland Security. You know, they brought all of these functions together to protect the American people. Well, luckily, we're not quite at that level of emergency right now in the tech space. I'm trying to get out ahead of it, right, right,
0: right, <laughs> right. So
1: that's why we need to beef up the FTC um, as 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 quickly as we can, you know, so that th- they have what they need uh, to to be uh, on the beat and um, protecting the American people from those who would uh, utilize the the infrastructure for for nefarious nefarious means.
0: And that's such a clear way to put it, right, that we, you know, a lot of people will go in on Congress around their technical expertise, what they know, what they don't know. But I love the way you put it. It's like we need a governmental infrastructure. It's not necessarily saying, hey, we need an independent agency. We need this. I mean, it's, it could be a variety of things, right? We need an infrastructure that allows us to grow with where the technology is going. Because your other bill, the deep fakes bill, which I have found fascinating as well, You essentially modernize that to really get into both a focus on detection technologies like watermarking or authentication of images, AI-generated images, and you're also looking at labeling and enforcement penalties for those who misrepresent the technology. Why do you think that is so important and particularly important at this time to be able to manage deep fakes?
1: Sure, because we're beginning to see more and more of a proliferation of... Uh, imagery, as well as audio that comes very close to um, the uh, sort of original, if you will. Deep fakes are uh, a a way in which content has been created to deceive the viewer, the listener into you know, a, a, any any number of possibilities. Some could be good in, 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 in fantasy. Others can be extremely harmful um, and, and criminal in, in intent. And what my bill does is it makes sure that uh, the consumer is able to discern, you know, a, a re- reality from something that has been manufactured uh, through deep fake technology and um it's critical uh, and 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 I've been sort of really making more and more noise around this because we know uh, of um the use of deep fake te- technology to extort from people it's just used in, in criminal activities blackmail uh, it's been used in revenge porn Now we're at a stage where um, we're moving into an election season. And I have another piece of legislation called the uh, Real Political Ads Act um, that is is sort of a derivative of deepfakes. But we know, again, people are going to use the technology available to them to try to deceive people as though that's honorable uh, in our political discourse Unfortunately, uh, you know, the past few election cycles have encouraged uh, this sort of bad behavior. Um, what, it would, what it can do is create all kind, all manner of chaos um, during the election season, particularly if people are not informed that there's no disclaimer, uh, the, telling the American people or the consumer that it's a depiction that's not real. So um you know I I've just been really really concerned because you know I I I'm sure you have received people sent forward you things from you know their WhatsApp or what have you and you know you may be able to d- determine that it's that that it's a fake but there's so many others that uh you know question it and and, and there's no disclaimer and we know, you know, at the at the launching or the, the click of a button on our phones, that information could be rapidly distributed to millions of people. And so that both my deepfakes, um, tech, uh, my deep bill, first of all, uh, creates uh, an ability for um, those who have been harmed to actually seek redress which is which is extraordinary because you know colleagues that are out there that never want you to be able to address any inequity um but having said that that's what this bill would do you you spoke about the digital watermarking which would make it possible for platforms or individuals to determine that it's uh manufactured and uh that's important and and the technology exists to do so and not doing so sort of indicates uh, a, a willful, um, you know, a willfulness of wanting to deceive, you know, or wanting to harm uh, or hurt someone. And so we think that this bill, given the advancement of the technology we have, meets the mark of where we need to be. Because when I first introduced this legislation, um, you know. AI was in existence, but it wasn't as widely used.
0: That's right. That's right. And what I like about this bill, when I think about all the work that you've done cumulatively in Congress, a lot of where we are today with the technology has a lot to do, Congressman, with all the efforts that you had when it came to media ownership, right? The validators are the, it's the internet right now, essentially. And because we don't have ownership of people who are true authentic voices within our communities, it makes it harder for people to discern what is truth and what is false. Which brings me to this other question, though. What you're doing is also quite bold because some would argue, I'm not going to say who, that you know people still have these First Amendment rights to actually post whatever they would like. When you think about that and you think about these platforms where we're really trying to identify and mitigate these potential biases, as well as pretty much triggers for de- democratic incivility is what you're basically saying. How do we make sure going into the election that people understand that this is not a a, a push on your First Amendment rights? This is just a awareness raising about the various buckets of content that are circulating on the Internet and the awareness that consumers need to have. Is that is that kind of how I'm looking at this, right, in terms of what you're trying to do? Change the mindset of consumers
1: as well and give them more agency? Sure. It's, it's not a banning. There's nothing in our legislation out of total respect for the first amendment rights, out of the creativity that we know folks have. You know, some people want to create deep fakes as jokes, as part of a sci-fi project of whatever. And we're not saying that you can't. What we're saying is we just need to be able to discern it from real content. And that's what my legislation essentially does. It asks for, uh, disclaimers in in one case particularly in the real political ads act but it also asked that there be digital watermarking in our deep fake um accountability act so you know we, we were very conscious of people's First Amendment rights um is I wouldn't want anyone uh to prohibit me uh from uh, using my voice in in whatever, Form I may want to use may want to use it. And that's the great thing about, you know, the Internet. It, 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 it is, you know, a democratic tool. And so, um, you know, there is nothing that prohibits uh, the use of it. What we're saying is that you need to disclose it, whether through digital watermarking or, you know, thro- through some other um, digital means.
0: Are there some companies that are actually helping to authenticate those types of uh, technologies in the ways that you're talking about? I know that you and your colleagues have written to like the heads of certain platform companies to inquire about steps they're taking on election interference. But at in the same token, right? You need companies to also create this technology uh, to be able to authenticate or watermark stuff. What are you seeing yeah. in the private sector space? Yeah. So
1: I know that you know my my team that was working on this legislation actually had a number of conversations with companies that that do this work. And that's how we uh, began to look at sort of the, the written terminology around how uh, one actually does digital watermarking. There were some folks who are a bit concerned about the con- conventional definition of watermarking, but there are specific codes that are embedded uh, sort of in the uh, in, the, uh, in the technology itself. That is almost a signature that can be utilized and read. Well, that's good to
0: know because I think what, what often happens in this space is that we put out proposals and sometimes they're feasible, right? And sometimes they're technically not feasible. That's no. why you're, you're, you're always on top of this stuff. Yeah, I, mean, I, I cannot say, say
1: <laughs> not only that, we, we're, we're here in Washington, D.C. and believe me, people holler when you step on their toe. Right, so if, right, right. if we were stepping on someone's toes here, if it was an impossible feat, I'm sure it would have been brought to our attention. But working with uh, industry helps us to know what's possible. And so uh, we feel very confident that the technology exists and it's not onerous an onerous task on the individuals who are creating Um we just need to make sure that we are protecting the American people.
0: And I and I want to ask one more question, and I'm going to kind of wrap us up here because this has been such an interesting conversation. You know, one other thing that people don't know about you, that's why I say this is the hardest working legislator on AI. If you didn't get that, let me say it again. You've also been looking at facial recognition technology and another bill that you've actually put forth is one which, you know, deters or potentially uh, restricts its use in public housing um, as a biometric uh, factor. You know, Congressman, what is it about you that is always trying to contextualize AI for the people? What is it about you? Why is that important to you? Um,
1: you know, it. it, it I guess part of it is that you know it is i I feel inclined to want to protect my community from and the people that i I represent in the ninth district from being experimented on by tech firms um especially because those very tech firms have not invested nearly as much in. Um, making sure that their companies are re- re- reflective of the civil society in which we live. And so, you know, there's no one necessarily at the helm or or within the ranks saying, you know, um, it may not make sense for us to deploy a technology where people have to be let into their homes based on how they look um, until it's perfected. Because if people are in harm's way and for some reason their appearance changes and they can't get into their home, maybe we are adding more harm than good to the situation. And until we get to that point where, you know, one, we're either uh, seen as um, great investments in the creative space of, you know, joining the ranks of the tech Titans of the world are uh, we're seen as just as viable um, an employee in the spaces where decisions are being made about how uh, you know how the technology is developed and and deployed. Um, then there needs to be someone at the doorway saying, hold it, wait a minute. what are the implications? For these communities that are not represented when those technologies are deployed without their consent, without their input, without even a clinical trial.
0: That's right, you know, and 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 like you said it earlier, having a, a an idea of the lived experiences of the communities in which this technology is being de- designed and deployed is so important. And and that brings me to this final question because you know I I could not let you go without asking this question. You are the proud daughter of Jamaican immigrants, and you are literally have taken not just your wisdom. Um, You are a senior member on the House Energy and Commerce Committee. You've been there for years. You're leading caucuses around smart city growth. So on the technology area, you have this established. But you also come with this uh, keen understanding of what it means to be of Caribbean heritage in Congress as a co-chair of the Congressional Caribbean Caucus and one that works to develop those relationships as we think about AI governance, most of these conversations, Congresswoman, have been really EU, U.S., very bilateral. Let me ask you this way. Why should we also take in consideration the cultural efficacy that comes with how we build and deploy these tools?
1: Well, you know, we, we reside in a hemisphere uh, as a nation. And, the, the, you know, we're going through, you know, enormous changes. Uh, in the hemisphere, whether it's the migrant um, situation, whether it's climate change. And technology can really assist us in managing uh, all of these existential threats. And it can help those nations to develop even faster in terms of uh, their uh, sort of economic status in the midst of you know, their growth and development as nation states. Um, many of the nations of, uh, you know, of the Caribbean are relatively young compared to the United States in that, you know, they received their independence in the last, you know, 60 years or so, with with the exception of Haiti that's been, you know, that has been independent for close to 200 years. Um, you know, we could actually speak to the world from this hemisphere if we maximize on um, sort of the, the, as you said, multilateral uh, exchange of information and technology that, you know, could position us as well as our neighbors in, in spaces of growth, rapid growth um, and, and qu- most important, safety.
0: And those are the areas that I think we often miss when we have conversations that don't include the various actors that are part of what's considered like the global south, right? African, Latin America, Caribbean, as well as India. Congresswoman, I don't want to let you go, but I have to, right? Because you got other (laughs) work that you got to do. I want to first say thank you so much for joining us, Congresswoman Yvette. Clark, who represents New York and the great, great vicinity of Brooklyn, New York. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me, Nicole Turner-Lee. It was great speaking with you. It's wonderful uh, to have a very refreshing conversation on the um, technological advancements and the legislation here in Washington that reflects a desire to see us, uh, you know, to see us move. Um, and lift ourselves in the 21st century in this particular space. And you have been doing an extraordinary job over at Brookings. I want to thank you once again for having me as your guest today.
0: Oh, and I want to thank you for coming on. I've I've known the Congresswoman since I stepped foot here in Washington, D.C. And, you know, we only scrape the surface of the work that she is actually doing. She is the hardest working woman when it comes to representing the issues of technology and how they affect the public interest and, and really people. Uh, AI for the culture is really a, a place in which she resides to make sure it's available to all. Listen, everybody, you've been listening to Technic where we take... Bits of information and make them into palpable bites of often complex technological policy issues. So hopefully you gleaned some great information today. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow these issues on our Tech Tank newsletter, which we publish daily and weekly on tech policy concerns. We appreciate you. See you at the next episode. Thank you for listening to Tech Tank a series of roundtable discussions and interviews with technology experts and policymakers. For more conversations like this, subscribe to the podcast and sign up to receive the Tech Tank newsletter for more research and analysis from the Center for Technology Innovation at Brookings.